0: God, may the words of my lips and the thoughts and meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture passage takes us to the Gospel of Luke, about halfway through this third gospel of the life of Jesus. We find ourselves right in the middle of the travel narrative or the part of Jesus' ministry where he is preaching and teaching as he is beginning to make his way back up to Jerusalem, where we know that eventually he will be tried and killed. And as he travels, Jesus is doing the best that he can to make sure that those around him and those that he encounters are learning what it means to be a follower of his teachings. Sometimes the words and actions of Jesus are very clear and easy to understand, like when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray or when he sees a crowd of hungry people and he offers them food. But other times... It takes a little more thinking on our part to fully understand what Jesus is trying to say or teach, like when Jesus is asked a question and he chooses to answer with a parable. I feel like our passage for this morning falls somewhere in the middle of this spectrum of, yes, I understand what Jesus is saying, and wait, what just happened? And at a first read-through, it might seem that our story today is about a parable, and then it's a story about a woman that Jesus healed, and in the process, he made some people angry, which, to be honest, is pretty standard for Jesus. We've already heard it read once this morning, but with this passage, I would like for us to hear it again. And so as I read our passage for a second time this morning, I invite you to listen You are welcome to follow along if you'd like, but I invite you to listen. And if there's anything that you hear differently on this second reading, find a pen or pencil around you and jot it down so you don't forget it. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, leave it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing." Now, there's just one thing that I want to draw your attention to with these verses before we go a little bit further and it comes at the end of the parable of the fig tree. Do you notice how the parable ends? We're left with a cliffhanger when it comes to the fate of this fig tree. We don't know if in the next year it produced fruit or if it turned into firewood. The parable ends, leaving us to imagine the possibilities. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. But now we find Jesus in the synagogue, and he is there on the Sabbath, and he is teaching. And I imagine that there was probably a great crowd of people who was gathered there, because there always seems to be a great crowd of people when Jesus comes to town. We don't know exactly what Jesus was teaching, but very soon the scene will shift. And the crowd who was gathered in this place of worship is going to get an entirely different lesson than they expected when they showed up to the temple that morning. One of the people gathered is a woman. We don't know her name. We don't know if she has just arrived or if she had been there for a long time. I imagine that this woman was probably on the edge of the crowd maybe sitting in the back of the room, and that most people were not paying her any attention. Because, you see, she struggled from a physical condition that caused her to be bent over and to not stand up straight. The Gospel writer tells us that this woman has carried this physical burden for 18 years. Given what we know of the life expectancies of women in these times, it's likely that for at least half of her life, The world that she experienced was only what she could see a few feet in front of her and maybe a little bit from side to side. If she wanted to look up at the sky or to look at someone's face, she would have had to try very hard. For 18 years, she couldn't look someone in the eyes. She couldn't gaze up at the starry night. She couldn't stand tall. And because of this, she was probably overlooked by the majority of society. We know that she was hurting physically, and I can imagine that her mental and emotional health were probably hurting too. But her spiritual health is strong. She comes to the synagogue on that Sabbath day, and she's coming for one reason, to worship God. She doesn't come to the synagogue looking for anything. The verses that we've read tell us that she does not come up to Jesus and ask him to heal her, nor does anyone come to Jesus on her behalf and ask him to perform a miracle. She shows up to worship. And when she shows up, Jesus takes notice of her and he does not hesitate to heal her from her condition. He touches her and she stands up straight and immediately begins praising God. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we often see people respond to the presence of God by offering their praise, and this woman is no different. She is finally free. But while she immediately begins praising God, the leader of the synagogue has the opposite response. He immediately becomes angry and doesn't hold back his indignation that Jesus has broken a Sabbath law. So let's talk for just a moment about what a Sabbath law is. In the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment tells us that we should honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. In Exodus 20, the commandment says that because God has created the heavens and the earth in six days and that God rested on the seventh, that we should also rest on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. But in Deuteronomy 5... We have another version of the Ten Commandments, and while the foundation of these commandments are the same as in Exodus 20, some of the nuances are a little bit different. And for today, it's those differences that matter. In Deuteronomy 5, the reason that we keep the Sabbath holy isn't to mark it as a day of rest. Instead, the Sabbath day is holy because we are to remember that once our people were slaves in Egypt, and then we are to celebrate because God released our ancestors from that slavery. In her book, Back to the Well, Frances Taylor Gensch says, the Sabbath is meant to be a time to remember of Israel's release from bondage. Freedom and liberation are at the very essence of a Sabbath celebration. But in this time period, and for our siblings who are Jewish or Orthodox Jews still today, there are very strict rules about what can and cannot be done on the Sabbath. Meals are prepared in advance because cooking or even lighting a fire was not allowed. If you happen to knock something off of the table and it fell on the floor and broke, you were not permitted to sweep it up until after the Sabbath was over. You can't lock or unlock doors, turn lights on or off, write letters, or move anything from one place to another. There are very specific, strict rules about the Sabbath day in Judaism. The main purpose of the Sabbath is for each person to spend it worshiping in the synagogue, to spend time resting, but most importantly, to remember that because God freed them from bondage, that we have the freedom to worship and to rest. But one of the things that isn't quite as clear are the rules about healing on the Sabbath day. Even now, there are differing opinions on what is permitted and what is not. There's a pretty unanimous understanding that in the case of a life-threatening situation, medical intervention is allowed. But but when it comes to non-life-threatening situations or chronic medical conditions, opinions differ in the Jewish community. But for the leader in our passage for today, we have no doubt what he believes. He says, there are six days when work can be done. Come on those days and be cured not on the Sabbath day. For this particular leader, the fact that the woman had been suffering for 18 years meant that healing her from her condition wasn't urgent. It wouldn't hurt for her to wait just one more day to come for healing at a time when it was more convenient and less disruptive. How dare Jesus break the rules for one person? Surely the crowd is going to see what Jesus has done and chase him out of town. But instead, Jesus does not hesitate to call out this leader in the crowd gathered. He knows that while they are preaching to keep the Sabbath holy, that people in the room have made exceptions to that rule and that this is not their practice. Remember that one of the things that is forbidden to do on the Sabbath is to move something from one place to another. This would include moving your animals or your livestock from one place to another so that they might find relief in the form of food or water. Jesus is not afraid to point out the fact that they don't hesitate to take care of their animals, but that they are reprimanding him for taking care of a daughter of Abraham, a child of the chosen people of God. The synagogue leader is so focused on enforcing the rules that he has either forgotten the whole point of the Sabbath, to remember that we are people who come from slavery, we were bound in Egypt, and God set us free. And that when Jesus is speaking to this woman, he is unbinding her and setting her free to go and praise and serve the Lord. The woman did not come to the synagogue for healing. She came to worship God, and that's exactly what she did. The added bonus was that this time, as she left the temple and continued to praise God, she was easily able to turn her face towards heaven as she offered her praise. For Jesus, this woman shouldn't have to wait one more day to be released from her pain. For Jesus, this woman doesn't need to come back tomorrow, because he is here now offering her a chance for freedom. For Jesus, healing this woman is not an inconvenience, because healing her is an act of worship. For Jesus, none of us should wait one more day to remember that the ancestors of our faith were oppressed in Egypt, but God delivered them. And because we were set free, we cannot wait one more day to offer release to those who find themselves in situations of oppression or justice. We cannot wait one more day while there are systems in place that allow people in power to tell people on the margins that their needs can wait to be met at a more convenient time. For Jesus, today, The Sabbath day is the day where we as Christ followers say no more to systems and injustices where human life is diminished and people are being kept from living as God intended, as whole, beloved children of God. For Jesus, that time is now. We cannot wait any longer to bring healing to God's world and to the people that God loves. Do you remember the parable? that Jesus tells at the beginning of our reading for today, the parable of the tree that doesn't bear fruit and the owner wants to give up and chop it down, but someone steps in and says, wait, slow down, give it one more chance. You might think that this parable was placed where it was because this barren fig tree is a symbol for this woman, whose existence and presence seemingly doesn't have a lot to offer the world around her. But after reading these stories side by side all week, I think the fig tree is a symbol for the leader in the synagogue. He has forgotten what it means to honor God on the Sabbath. He has gotten so caught up in either being in a position of power or because he is so focused on following the rules his faith has ceased to be fruitful. He has stopped allowing himself to find true rest and to fully worship and honor God on the Sabbath, and therefore has stopped growing in his own faith. But on this day, when he reprimands Jesus for his actions, Jesus doesn't throw him out of the synagogue or curse him. He holds him accountable. And I'd like to think that by doing this, Jesus, in his own way, is saying to this leader, wait, slow down, you've got another chance. This morning, what have you heard God saying to you? Have you heard the voice of God freeing you from the burdens that you have been carrying, saying, my child, you are set free? Or maybe you have felt convicted by the actions of the synagogue leader and you realize that you are ready for a second chance at having a faith that is fruitful. Or maybe you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get to work because you realize that today is the perfect day to honor the Sabbath by praising God as you go out into the world and you try to find ways to bring healing to places in our community and our nation and our world. Or maybe you don't know what God is saying to you this morning, but you're ready to listen. We are going to head into a time in our service that we don't talk about a whole lot. It's our discipline of silence, and it happens every week following the sermon. The act of sitting in silence is one that we don't do nearly enough, myself included, and it is often uncomfortable if the silence lasts too long. But this moment in our service is so that we can sit for just a moment and listen. It is meant to be an intentional moment, not just this transition point where we pause and you immediately start thinking about what's on the menu for lunch or what you're going to buy at the grocery store or what chores you have to do when you get home. This is an intentional moment of worship. During this time, we listen for what God is saying to us. We listen for the Spirit's leading. We listen to our hearts. And so this morning, as we move into our discipline of silence, I invite you to sit, maybe with your eyes closed, and to listen. And if there is something that you receive during this intentional time of listening, write it down and carry it with you and reflect on it this week. Our passage for today isn't as clear of a story as it originally seemed. And so I invite us to sit and rest in the presence of God, tuning our hearts to the voice of Jesus and being aware of the movement of the Spirit as we worship and honor the Sabbath together.